Ephesians chapter 5 today, I will tell you that today is not a teaching at all, right? Today is not a teaching. Yeah, who said uh uh-oh? Yeah. Um, Today is not a soapbox moment for us here today, uh, but it's definitely something that's been stirring in my heart. Uh, I will say this, that if you're insecure in your faith today, definitely you might look at this message as an attack on you. That is, not the, that is not the desire at all, okay? That's not my plan at all. My plan is always, of course, to expose the word and for you to um, take it and apply it. My desire is never to impose the word. Does that make sense? There's a much difference. Expose versus impose. So I want to expose the word to you today in a holistic fashion. Um, it's supposed to be an encouragement, and you'll be asked from me a lot of questions today, okay? A lot of questions. I want to read this out of Ephesians chapter 5. I forgot to take up the offering. If you're here um, and you brought your offering, go ahead, JJ, if you'll take that up. Ephesians chapter 5 says this, don't be drunk with wine or beer or Jack Dan, whatever you want to say. Anyway, okay. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be what? Filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. I kind of did something with the words up there, right? There's some underline, there's some color, there's some bolding. I just wanted you to see something, right, where it says, be filled with the Holy Spirit, and then it shows the next couple things of how that might look, how it might look when someone is filled with the Holy Spirit. That's interesting, right? So a few years ago, um, I was asked to go to a couple's house who I am not their pastor. Um, You don't know them. Um, And they asked me to come to their house um, because they were having some marital problems. And um, I was kind of shocked, frankly, to go to their house and to be asked to do this because the people that I was going to the house um, for, this, this couple, they were um, a very, very, very powerful spiritually. They were a, kind of like a dynamite powerhouse. Like, like, like she worked in the prophetic way, like in an amazing format, not only in writing, but just in the midst of like... Um, Uh, different small groups and stuff. She was just a star in that way. And he had this humble, like, strength to where um, he had a boldness that came across just in such an amazing way. They worked in deliverance ministry, and they were just, like, incredible. For me, they were actually people that I looked up to in my faith. And so it was really interesting to get a phone call and say, hey, we're going through a whole bunch of stuff right now. Will you come over here and will you just, will you kind of just talk through some issues, right? So when I get there, right, I'm, I'm, I have to admit, I, 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 like I said, I was a little bit shy walking in because these guys spiritually from the outside perspective were just unbelievable stalwarts for the Lord. So when I walked in, um, right away, the very first thing, you know, once we sit down and kind of get through some pleasantries, the first thing that she says is, um, I just can't stand the way he speaks to me, right? And then he kind of came back with, well, she's constantly undermining me. 
And like all of a sudden the snowball, like I thought we were going to come here and, like, and, and all of a sudden like it's just coming at me, right? Like she says, then I feel neglected. I'm like, oh my goodness, here we go, right? And then, she, and then he says, most of the time in this marriage, I feel like I'm a slave. And I'm just like, okay, wow. And I never forget, I just had this like aha moment that sometimes when you're working with people you have like where you're like, I need a mental break here for a second. And I looked to the right and I saw a picture of like, a, a lion, and it had Revelation, I believe, chapter 5, where it said, the spirit of the lamb, the lion of God, rise within me. And I had this, like, weird moment, okay, in their house, because I got to be honest with you, these people rock when it comes to warring for the Lord, and they suck when it comes to their marriage. And it was, like, the weirdest situation. And I'm opening up today because I have, I have really felt something in my heart and in my spirit, right? I mean, these people, they would hold like 24-hour like prayer sessions within their home, right? There was all kinds of ministry going out from there. And I just thought to myself, how in the middle of this home where there's so much power, where there's so much spirituality, can there be this much dysfunction between two people? I want to mention something to you. Since April 26th, April 26th, there's been 22 sermons preached in this church. 22. And 16 of those sermons, 16 of the 22 sermons, I have spent every single one of those 16 from the truth of Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Right? Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand for 16 out of 22 sermons throughout the entire summer, and now we're going into the fall, I have talked about warfare in this church, and it has been fun. How many of you enjoyed it? I have, man. I, I have felt equipped. I have felt, man, like watching just the idea of us. And if you didn't get the series on the declaration of your faith and why declaration is important as far as in the spiritual world and the idea of standing and putting on the armor of God and warring against the enemy, we have spent 16 out of 22 messages speaking on this. And the ground that we have had Right, Because I came off, if you remember, I came off vacation this summer, spending on the beach, and the Lord said, you need to open up a night each week in your church where you guys have warrior prayer, right? And I cannot wait to be there this Thursday night, and Marcella and those that are leading it, thank you for what you're doing in our church. Thank you for standing in the gap for us. But I want to tell you something. I, don't want to, I guess this is the first question. Have you, in pursuit of spiritual authority... Have you, in pursuit of spiritual authority, accidentally forgotten to sharpen your character? Did you hear what I said? 
right? Because, because this right here, not only is this relevant, and what, we, what we've decided over and what we've come to as a, as a church body is we've realized that we're not fighting um, against Kristen and I when there's something going on there, right? When there's something between us, we know that there's the actual enemy, whether it be the enemy himself or one of his minions, one of his, one of his demons that is coming in to bring confusion and bring lies and us to actually play on the insecurities that we both have. And we know that there's something going on there and we know that we've got to take a stand by putting on the full armor of God, by casting out the enemy. We've made that decision. We've done that within our church walls. But, but, but if we only do that and we forget to work and sharpen our character, we're going to be in real trouble. I just had JJ bring this up, right? Like, there's something, anybody ever try to cut something with a dull knife? You know how dangerous it is, dangerous it is for you? In fact, a dull knife is more dangerous to your fingers than a sharp knife. Why? Right? So, so I, I, I don't want, I'm not going to use this illustration long, but there's, there's something too, right? Sharpening aspects of your Christian walk that are outside of this right here. Like we can spend, we have spent 16 out of 22 weeks talking about warfare. And today I felt it would be necessary for us to take the focus and to realize that for some of us, we've lost the foundation. Okay? By the way, if, if, you, um, if you were a Christian, then I, want, I will say this, and you, most of everyone in here is, right? The Christian walk is basically 100% engagement in swimming upstream. Did you hear me? In 2020, it's a lot different. We were watching a show uh, last night at the house that was set in the 1800s, and it was crazy. There was just a bunch of lawlessness and craziness. But the one thing that I thought of when I was going to bed is, gosh, it must have been much easier to be a Christian back then in the 1800s simply because there wasn't, um, there wasn't a bunch of distractions. There wasn't a bunch of options like we have right now, right? It was simply, it was very family-based. Yeah, there was crazy people shooting people in the middle of the streets, but it was, it was a lot easier. But right now in 2020, I will say this, the Christian walk is, I would say, 100% engagement in swimming upstream. By the way, if you don't think that, if you don't subscribe to that, then I will tell you that it is my personal belief that you have isolated yourself to be around people that, that only think and talk like you. Like, if you don't think that you're 100% going against the grain, then you're only around people who talk and act like you. And by the way, you're not growing if you're only around people that talk and act like you. And I don't actually personally believe that you are what Paul asks us to be, to be in the world, but not of it. Like, there is something outside of here, right? Our social circle must be more than just this church, more than just Christians, more than just um, conservative Republicans or, or, or left-wing liberals, like, there has to be a mixing of us, correct? And so I, I, I want to show you something because I think that when we read um, Ephesians chapter 5 and we hear this concept of being filled with the Spirit and having this gigantic amount of power to slay the enemy, we're also leaving out some very important things. Ephesians chapter 5, don't be drunk with wine. That will ruin your life. Instead, filled with the Spirit. And look what follows that. 
singing songs and spiritual, right, songs amongst yourselves, making music to the Lord in your heart, giving thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus, and furthermore, submit to one another out of reverence of Christ. What are you saying, Justin? I'm saying this, that the evidence of a spirit-filled person are those three things. Well, no, no, the evidence of a spirit-filled person is someone that's walking around and crushing the enemy at every step. Yes, but not in lieu of submission to one another out of reverence for Christ. <laughs> right, like, like what I mean by that is, is, is that the fireworks are always really cool, aren't they? But after 4th of July fireworks are over, you got to go back home and clean up for the party. And, and, and what I want to contend with today with you, right, is, is does the work of the Holy Spirit look like supernatural gratitude? Does the work of the Holy Spirit in you look like, watch, supernatural submission to one another? Are you sharpening the other side of what Christ calls us to? Is that part of what your DNA? Are you developing that? Have you neglected in order to pursue some of the more flashy and, and amazing? Again, guys, please, this needs to be known. I am in no way, I have been so blessed by what's happening on a consistent basis within our church. I have been so blessed at the things that Marcella calls me about on Friday morning and say, Pastor, she sent me something so cool. They were outside this week praying in the spirit, right? And they're warring in the spirit world. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, just this heavenly, literally like a heavenly thing happened for one of the people as they were looking up, they took a picture of it and sent it to me. I was like, the Lord is responding by their faith it's being extended out in the supernatural. But I want you to know that in the supernatural, that is so unbelievably powerful, but it's also so unbelievably powerful when you supernaturally, supernaturally submit to one another. Just, it's kind of boring though. Am I with me? I wrote down, are you concerned? Wait, no, not concerned. Are you obsessed are you obsessed with the growth and the cultivation of supernatural fruit in your life? Are you obsessed with it? Well, I don't think there should be anything out of balance. Trust me, you can be obsessed about fruit being born in your life so that others may see. I think if, if quite frankly, if, if you spent five minutes with Christians in 2020, in the era of COVID and the election, I'm not sure you would see supernatural submitting, supernatural love. It's not just love. See, just my personality, just in the flesh, because I was growing up to be like, hey, you just care for one another. That's what you do. That's not supernatural. But the fruit of the Spirit in me of God actually doing something in me, and watch this, me crucifying my flesh on a consistent every day, almost every hour basis, grows in me something that's supernatural so that when I'm slapped in the face proverbially, I respond in supernatural forgiveness. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Anybody, I, I, like I said, it's not like a fun one today, right? It's not a fun one. Galatians chapter 19, I'm sorry, Galatians chapter 5, not 19, that would be crazy. 
Um, Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Anybody ever notice something here? where it says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, or in another version it says the works, plural, of the flesh, but we see one thing, the fruit, not plural, right? Meaning this, that all of these things, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, all of those are supposed to be supernaturally exploding from you and I on a consistent basis when we're filled with the Spirit. Is this happening? Fruit is not something that can be forced. Fruit comes from one way, abiding in the vine. I cannot, I cannot, supernaturally, I cannot create patience. Trust me. Right? I cannot, I cannot create my own patience that is overwhelmingly outstanding to the world around me. That only happens for me when I'm filled with the Spirit, right? And it's coming out of me naturally. Okay? Look at this again. Uh, there is no, oh, keep going. There is no law against these things. Those who belong in Christ Jesus, can we read it together? have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading. And what? Man, dang. Can't we get one exception? On Friday nights? Where we can just let loose. Let that flesh eat. Nope. See, one, st one step in the flesh destroys fruit. Th that's, what, that's what we don't get. I almost named this sermon, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. <laughs> Do you want to know why I wanted to name it that? Because, because guys, I, I so love the territory that we have been rocking for the last 16 weeks. I love so much having the... Dude, every single Tuesday, I get something on my desk, a brand new word from, from somebody. It has happened now every single week. I'm getting things that coming from you because you're seeking the Lord in this way and hearing the Lord this way. And I, I want to make sure that you're clear of this. Not only do I applaud it, I love that there's a faith life that you've been extending your faith in areas that you haven't before and we're seeing fruit in this way. But not, not, not in lieu of supernatural fruit of the Spirit of God. Am I bored yet? I'm not talking about love like the world that's conditional. 
I'm not talking about joy like the world that's circumstantial. I'm not talking about peace like the world that vacillates back and forth or patience like the world when your routine isn't interrupted. I'm not talking about kindness when someone has been kind to you. I'm not talking about goodness when there's a return or there's a string attached to it or faithfulness that's only temporary or self-control as long as you get what you want. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about developing. I'm talking about cultivating. I'm talking about making sure that every single morning this heart is softened enough so that the seed of God's word can implant and grow fruit that's supernatural. Right after, in Ephesians chapter 5, right after we see be filled with the Holy Spirit, literally right after, then we get this. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own body. Hey, wait a minute. I have to, I have to love her more than I love myself? Nah. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. That is difficult. And that is not, we don't become like that naturally. Husbands and wives don't become like that naturally. It only comes by being filled with the Spirit. That's not a one-time thing. It's consistently being filled with the Spirit so that it might be exemplified in actions like this. I'm, I'm trying to ask you questions. Are you, are you sharpening this? Is this right here ever present, just as present as your moments when you're warring against the devil? Because here's my thing. So many of us not only have an excuse in this because and say, well, she's not receiving it or she's not partaking in it this way or she's not doing her part. There is no, um, there is no, there is no portion right there it says, love your wives like Christ loved the church and what? Gave himself up for it. If you're not sharpening that, if you're not challenging yourself to this type of activity right here and you're constantly going, well, I'm just blaming the, uh, the enemy for this, then you've got it all wrong, dude. Okay? Again, the sermon's, whoa, 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 hold on. You and me have a part every single day, every single hour to crucify our flesh. That is our responsibility. You understand, God doesn't go, I'm going to crucify his flesh. <laughs> uh-uh. No, that's you. That's your part. We're diving in. Pastor's waging war. We're slaying demons. I love it, man. And I love, dude, you asked my wife what the tone of our home's been like for the last 16 weeks. We're not messing around when we know that the enemy's coming against us. We're not holding back and declaring victory over the enemy. We're not doing, we, we don't, we're, we're rolling. But we're also challenging ourselves to the core concepts of his truth. So I coached basketball. It was a disaster. We got crushed all the time. Thank you, Calvin. It was, he said. So we got beat. If many of you remember this, the last time I coached, we never won a game, which was incredibly humbling, right? But there was something really interesting that happened. You know, we hold practice, 
and have this hour and a half long practice. And the kids, bless their heart, they're good kids, they, they, they constantly, incessantly asked me, Coach, can we scrimmage? For those that don't know what that is, that's when you just divide your team up and they just play against each other. That's all they do. Now, as a basketball coach and someone that's played for a while, like you develop, right, you develop how to shoot, how to pass. Like if you just pass like this, the ball is going to, like you actually have to practice so that when the, the game is happening, like you do it the right way. Like there's plays, pick and roll, and learning how to play zone defense. And I'm telling these 10 and 11-year-olds, like, hey, guys, we, and all they ever wanted to do was just basically what they do at school where they go crazy, and one person gets the ball and everybody watches. It's called scrimmage. So finally, I just said, I am tired of this because we're not winning anyway. <laughs> you guys scrimmage. That next game, we got beat, listen, by 45 points. Yes, thank you. I'm proud of it. It was a proud moment. I had this revelation as we were driving away. You know what a scrimmage looked like? Scrimmage was practicing against each other where there was familiarity. The minute that you took that and played against another team that you didn't know, all these all-stars who thought they were super studs and shooting three-pointers during the practice, the scrimmage time when there was no opposition and everybody was fine, we got rolled by some people, right, when we got outside of our own world. What are you trying to say? I'm trying to tell you this that there is a call upon us in 2020 to continue to what? Push against the grain and establish the fundamentals in your life so that when you walk into your business and when you walk into your job or you walk into your marriage, that you actually are prepared. Because let me tell you, just like that team, there was no mercy. How many of you know the world doesn't show mercy? We're playing in the real world here. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20 in the New Living Translation says something interesting. For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It's, the kingdom of God is not a lot of me and Luke Good hanging around just talking. Or me and you, right? That's not what it is. But it's what? It is living by God's power. So where's the confusion here? Because the power for me, right, looks like what we talked about for the last 16 weeks. Right? There's power to what? Come against the enemy in the name of Jesus. That's, the, that's what power's for, right? Yes. And there's power to what? Live righteously amongst unbelievers. Acts 1.8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my what? Witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to all the ends of the earth. The purpose of the power is for you to be more than you are when you're in this building, more than you are when you're just with your husband and you're having a cup of coffee and you're reading Jeremiah Johnson's new thing, which, by the way, I read his, his book this week, and it's a powerful book. It is, it is filled with not only prophetic words for what's happening, right? It's filled with encouragement to the saints today. And that is cool. But guess what? When it's just Kristen and I, that's actually not the real world. The real world is when I get challenged in my character to be Christ-like when it's pressurized. We got to watch it. We got to make sure that, we, that we're not, it's not balance, guys. It's holistically walking as a Christian. 
Everybody with me? The gifts of the Spirit, right? The word of wisdom. Remember, Eli came up here a few weeks ago, just dropped it on us. He said he was, he was struggling with something that he struggled with for since he's been a young man. And the Lord dropped a vision to him supernaturally that released him from that. By the way, if you talk to Eli, he's in the back there. He'd say this, that he's still battling today. He's still waging war today. But the gift of the word of wisdom, the vision that supernaturally came to him, the gift of speaking in another language, the gift of of prophecy, the gift of all these things must must be accompanied by the fruit of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit without the fruits of the Spirit mean a decaying foundation. Okay? Okay? 1 Corinthians 12 is the chapter about the gifts of the Spirit. That's like the whole chapter. Look at this. Are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we, have the, do we all have the power to do miracles? This is Paul. <laughs> okay, this is, this is from the word, straight from the word. So make sure that we, we get this, right? For some that have laid out like how the body of Christ is actually supposed to look, this is, this is it right here. Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? Of course not. Should you, so you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts, but let me show you a way of life that is best of all. Keep going. If I speak in the tongues of angels but do not have love, I'm a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love like me loving Joel as a buddy? No. Supernatural love that comes from abiding in Christ and crucifying your flesh. This can't be misinterpreted, please. I am so pumped where we're at. I am so pumped for, for the miracles that, the miracles that too, in the last week that we have seen, literally miracles. But can, can we build on this right here, Acts chapter 2? This is the beginning of the church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. We're seeing both. We're seeing teaching. We're seeing breaking of bread. We're seeing prayer. And then we're also seeing signs and wonders. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold their property and possessions to what? To give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily of those who being saved. There's this gigantic, holistic work of God moving and fruit happening. And what I question, what I ask you, is can we, be, can we do this? 
want to go a little deeper here. And Cal, just sorry, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something, okay, real quick. His birthday party's coming up this week. His, he's 12 years old. And I had this, like, while I was driving this thought, I wonder how many people would come to his birthday party if all we did is just hang around and eat pizza. That's all. Leo's raising his hand. You're a good friend, Leo. Way to go, right? <laughs> there, there may be like, maybe like his really core close friends. But you know what? If I rent out Dave and Buster's, oh, he is going to be the most popular sixth grader of all. We're gonna, I, we're gonna have to take a loan out for that, right? Why? Because at Dave and Buster's, you've got unlimited games. You've got the right everything. Like what I'm saying is this: is that is that the the flash right there isn't actually celebrating Calvin at all. The, if we just had pizza, would would they come? No, oh, yeah, it's close ones. You, you, I think better than close. I got another word. Go to. Devoted. That's what, we're, that's what we're missing. Devoted does not mean just coming to a prayer night. Devoted means that this temple of the Holy Spirit remains a temple at all times. It means abiding in him consistently so that fruit comes. And again, I've said it now three times. The enemy to abiding in him is one that won't crucify your flesh. Because let me tell you something. As much as we've warred in the spirit and I've cast out the enemy constantly and I've spoken into the air, into the heavenlies on a weekly, daily basis now, I gotta be honest with you. This flesh man still wants to be selfish. And it needs to be nailed to the cross. Okay? We've moved into a world where we worship God for his work, for his gifts, rather than just his presence. You guys hearing me here this morning? Please don't understand me. There was an actual, like, word that came from me as I sat on the beach, Right? back in July that said, you got to go into warfare, man. you got to equip your church in this. And we have. But we have got to make sure that we're sharpening ourselves. Am I content with just the presence of God? I actually wonder if anyone would come to church. I really do wonder this, by the way. And I just read scripture. Like I didn't tell stories. I didn't, I didn't implore you. Like would anyone come to this church? I don't think so. I think you'd go somewhere else. So like if I just open up scripture, that's not really enough for us, isn't it, in 2020? We need somebody to, here, here you go. We need that. It, it, that just shows us that that's not, I, I'm, I know it sounds like I'm coming after you. I'm coming after myself. Are we devoted just to this scripture? Is this really the lamp unto your feet and the light unto your path? Is this really where everything goes through? 
I, I can tell you, man, I, frankly, I've had some discussions lately that have rocked me, and it's not that they've rocked me because there was much truth said, but because it's so far away from what it really looks like to be a Christian. John 13, 34 through 35, a new command, new command, new command, not following the law, a new command I give to you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples. Not a, again, I know I'm coming after you, but man, there's a lot of judgment. Okay. For us, I think we might just should just stop and go back to the red letters. We can start there the red letters of your Bible, and follow him. Chris and I, every single morning, we have been going after this concept of following him. And basically what we're trying to show is there's so many things in our life that we've, that we've kind of basically taken and put in front of him and, and made idols out of. To follow Christ, though, it actually starts with doing what he says. Man, that's not even preaching. That's just like anyone can tell you that. So what we have is, I'm closing here, what we have is soil problems. Remember, remember the parable of the sower. Jesus says, what like JJ had, hey, he that has ears to hear, put on your spiritual glasses for a moment. That's what JJ did last week. I can't do it because it'll hurt my eyes. Put on your spiritual glasses for a moment, is what JJ said. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said that the, the guy goes out, a farmer goes out to sow seed. And as he's sowing seed, a lot of the seed first fell across the path. In our present day, what that would mean is that seed fell across the pavement. And it said that the seed got, uh, what, immediately swooped up by what? A bird's. And the birds took it away and ate it. And when Jesus begins to describe it, he begins to say this. He says, hey, that seed that's fell on the ground there, it actually was, it, it, it had no ability because it was so hardened. That path was so hardened that, that the enemy stole the word. And for so long, this is how I've looked at it. There's been so much hurt in a person's life that their heart is so hardened that they can't hear the word of God. And by the way, that's true. But you want to know another way that this might get hardened? Pride thinking you know. Like we always talk in your house. The boys, a lot of times, if there's, especially when I'm not being patient, I say these words. If you know it, you'll do it. And by the way, I realize like that's totally not true. But isn't that should be true for us? If I know to do it and I don't, that is a form of rebellion. That's a form of me and you going, hey, I know better. seed fell on soil that was hardened. Guys, I love us being in a world where the gifts are working and, and I've been so crazy encouraged because I've just received benefit from it. But I'm going to close and ask you, are you fully giving yourself over to integrity? Are you fully devoted to forgiveness? Are you fully devoted to faithfulness? Are you fully devoted, right? Are you sharpening that? So let me close with just one practical thought. What I want you to do when you walk out today, 
if you're with a husband or wife or someone that's a good friend, I want you to have a conversation with them. I want you to ask them plainly, hey, listen, buddy, can you identify, and he could, he could, because we talk every week a couple times, can you identify one area where I haven't crucified? Sometimes it's hard to look at yourself and do that. Hey, can you, can you identify one area in my life, and I'm being honest right now, can you identify one area in my life that's not crucified? And I want you to think about it. He's just saying yes, right? Okay? This is the practical steps today to this. I want you to tell me that, and I want you this week just to just say, hey, have you done that? What that looks like and what that will do is when we crucify the flesh, right? Because we've already talked about this. When we don't crucify the flesh, it's impossible to abide in the spirit. And the only way for fruit to come out that's supernatural is not by you and me creating that fruit. It's by us abiding. So there has to be a confidence in a relationship enough with one another or something that's safe, someone that's safe, that can say, identify something that I don't see in myself that you might agree with me as a brother in Christ. Look, I'm trying to give you legs to this. That's a brother in Christ that says, dude, this week we're going to crucify that portion of our life. And it may be impatience. It may be, I mean, I don't know what you're going to say. You probably see it and I don't. But I know this, that if I actually want supernatural Holy Spirit fruit, I have to, as Paul says, crucify my sinful desire that's sometimes out of my control and sometimes I'm not cognizant of. And then on the other side of that, I can look and go, hey, brother, will you wage war with me against the enemy? Because the enemy's telling me I can't. When I can. He's telling me I'm worthless when I actually have worth. He's telling me that I'm not righteous and I don't belong up here. Hey, dude, hey, dude, can I be open and honest with you as you have identified that? Can I just tell you, here's where we actually need to cast out the enemy. Here's where we need to take a stand against him and put on the righteousness of God. The whole part of what we've taught over the last 16 weeks that are not seen. But I need you to show me something that I, right, that is seen. So that fruit might come out of me. Fruit must be overwhelmingly unnatural. Overwhelmingly outstanding. It's not just going, hi to your neighbor. That, that's not fruit, because any unchristian can do that. I'm talking about, and I'm not just talking about, hey, dude, can I go over there and help you do the what does it look like to have love that's supernatural? You guys get it? Would you pray with me? Oh, yeah. Yeah, come on up. Hey, baby. Yeah. So I was sitting here, and we, we've talked about the sermon quite a bit, just kind of practicality of it. And uh, the whole time I'm sitting here, the Lord is saying they think what they can do is enough. And I want to share just something I shared with Justin this week. Some of you can't see it. It's kind of gross. This is my schedule for next week. Literally, literally like, that is what my days look like. And I'm like, how the heck am I going to do this, right? And I was sitting here the whole time the Lord's going, they think I'm doing the best I can, which is probably right. But that's not what the sermon is about. It's not the best that you can. It's the best that the Holy Spirit can do within you. So if you're constantly going to bed feeling good about yourself, which is actually good, we're not telling you not to, but to not open up and say, but he can do better, right? So what you can do, hopefully you're doing enough. I go to bed saying I'm doing the best that I can. I should be saying I did the best I could. 
how can you do more in me tomorrow? And that's more of a practicality step sometimes. I make excuses. I'm doing the best I can. I mean, look at the schedule. I'm doing the best I can. You're right, but that's not what he's asking us to do. He's asking us to let him do more and us get out of the way. Amen. Who said watch it? Justin, will you come up?